I had. Yeah, what did you have? Tell me. I had a strawberry and lemon spritz because they Ooh. had an array of spritzes. Their spritz game is so strong. All with Malfi oh. gin, which is quite delicious. It's so nice. Mm-hmm. I like that grapefruit one that they do. Yeah, I was going, I should have probably got the grapefruit. They had like a grapefruit. It was the grapefruit gin uh, with like Prosecco, like a rose Prosecco oh, tonic. Um, I can't remember, like grapefruit bitters or something. Mm. But I don't know. I was just like, I feel like strawberries for some reason. Anytime I see a strawberry, it's all I want. Which is so weird, because I feel like I never used to want a strawberry. You're not a fruit gal, though. I'm not a fruit gal. Sad.com. A little bit, but also, like... I was going to make a joke being, like, <laughs> the closest you come to fruit is your apple-bottom jeans. Ah! But then I was just like, that, I don't really know what it means. No one does. They're an actual jean. Are they? Yeah. Oh, well, somebody does know what they are, then. That's S- embarrassing. What was her name? Uh, I went to high school. Kimora Lee something? Is that a person? No, it was Chloe... I don't remember. But she had apple bottom jeans. Wow. I know. Did she have boots with the fur? I mean, probably. It was like 2008. Damn, what a time to be alive. Absolutely. Like, truly. Jeans, jeans, boots with the fur, with the the fur. fur. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Please. No, it's fine. So you had a fun spritz. I had a delicious spritz. And it was, um, I don't know. I have nothing else to say. We've got to get right into this. Sorry. Here. The fireworks are coming. Honestly, we did I've not. I've ruined the timing of our night. We've all ruined the timing of our night. It's terrible. I have so much to get to. We're probably going to have to take like a true brick and not be able to eat this cheese until afterwards. I'm sorry. I will scream. So. <sighs> There's so much cheese in front of us. I hope you know that. I know. The first line of my notes is, we know that cheese has been around for centuries. <laughs> Gee. Gee willikers, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my God. I'm going to have to. This is Pantry Staples. podcast where we dish on your favorite foods. And don't know how to do introductions. I'm Rika. And I'm Emily. And you know, it's been a long day. <laughs> it's been a very long day. <laughs> so yes, in ancient Greece and Rome, cheese was an essential food, but drinking fresh milk was never done. We've definitely talked about this before, but I just like, I don't know why the idea that like, Bar- quote unquote barbarians were pejoratively talked about as like milk drinkers is just like such a fascinating concept to me. Okay, I just recently read a book. It was a good book. It was fine. <laughs> Anyways, and in it, like one of the like very minor plot points was the yeah. fact that this girl uh, like made her baby ill, like mm. in utero by drinking unpasteurized milk. Mm. And I don't know why, but that really did strike such a chord with me because I knew that that was a thing. Like we're not supposed to have unpasteurized things because of the potential dangers and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like there's all the times when people are like, like pregnant women are like, I can't have like my steak. Yeah. Medium rare or whatever. Like it has to be well done. Cause yeah. I'm blah, blah, blah. Which like I, sh- sure. But also what? Sure. But why don't you live a little bitch? Um, anyways, uh, I think that it did really hit home to me that I was like, oh yeah, like no wonder people were a little bit leery about milk in that day and age that was not refrigerated. It was not pasteurized. Like all of the stuff is just like straight teat to mouth kind of nonsense. And like, you don't know what's out there. You also literally couldn't digest it. Yeah. I know. We've talked about this so many times. (laughs) But it it was really, so I don't know. This is, this is a bit of a sidebar, but it's just to be like, this is my lead in from like cheese this is cheese part threes um okay sorry and it's like that notion that did it have something to do with the fact that cheese is kind of like one of those ways that we nourish ourselves that's safe kind of yeah i mean and that's like that's very interesting because like as with like wine or beer like the reason that people drink alcohol and it's so pervasive in cultures is because like the water wasn't safe um 
I don't know. I think it's just like really interesting that this is like so ancient and like such a part of like earth humanity in a lot of ways. But also to be human is to eat the cheese. And also to eat something that like is technically bad for us, but like mm-hmm. we don't care. <laughs> Ugh, the contradictions of our people. Um, okay, so getting back to the prodrome. This is just like this is just like fun and like weird. Like I got into like this tangent of this like ancient stuff and basically going back to Homer, mm-hmm. um, who is yes. calling the the Scythians, mm-hmm. horse riding tribes of your the Eurasian steppes. He called them mare milkers, mm-hmm. which is like <laughs> it's like dude, please sick burn. It is a very sick burn. It's like that's just like just because they're different doesn't mean they're bad. Um, but also continuing with Homer in the Odyssey, he describes cheese making in detail mm-hmm. when a Odysseus and his crew are with the Cyclops. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know all this, but that's my favorite bit of the book. But it's like reading the like having like just the taken out quotes. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. So it's mm-hmm. like Polyphemos, Polyphemos, Polyphemos. He is a quote a giant dairy farmer, <laughs> and also a quote savage monster who despises the laws of hospitality to the point that he devours guests in his own home. Which is the biggest diss of that time period. Oh. And then, no, no, this is the biggest diss of that time period. Mm. If indeed one can call his cave a home. Mm. Like, oh, snap, Homer. And But, but like, truly, they hate people that aren't hospitable because they've just started going out in the world. They're like, if you're mean to strangers, we're going to die. Like, this whole thing falls apart. Totally. Um, and also, just, like, I think, again, like, really linking back that, like, a certain level of barbarism with, like, dairy. Mm-hmm production fascinating odysseus and his men they watch polyphemus uh perform his dairy chores twice a day milking his sheep adding fig juice to form a curd uh because fig juice contains the protein physin which acts to coagulate the milk um he then drains the curds in willow baskets to make his cheese which like should we make Cyclops cheese? Obviously we should. Okay. Also, like, not to be that person, but I always, and I'll just say it, mm-hmm. I'm just going to say it, I always thought that the time that they spent with Polyphemus and him, like, and his sheep, like, that descriptor, very sexually charged, I always thought. Oh. Like, like, he was fucking those sheep. <laughs> There's no other answer, and I'm sorry if Homer and, like, all these people are just not brave enough to say it, but, like, I am. Oh my goodness. He was fucking the sheep. I'm sure that he was. And probably why? Because he's alone, A. Poor guy. It gets a little weird in the caves. It gets a little weird. But also because he's probably drunk because what has been around almost as long, if not longer than cheese? Wine! (laughs) We don't delve too deeply into wine or alcohol in this podcast because that would like open up a whole new world. Because you don't store your wines in your pantry. I mean, maybe you do. But it's Why just don't like, you have a wine fridge? We're already tangent city enough, like to go <laughs> down, and also like the science of it all. Like we just—if you thought it was bad listening to me pronounce other scientific <laughs> words, let me tell you, it's not going to get better if we add alcohol to the mix. No, no. Um, but today I am going to talk about wine. Oh, um, but really only in its link to cheese and their pairing, because that is fun and delicious. And yes. We are going to taste. That's why Emily is like licking her fingers. I think I got cheese under my nails. <laughs> I never have my nails this long and I don't know how to get it out. The history of wine and food pairing in general. So mm. I'm going to talk about like pairing for a little bit and then we're going to get to the tastes. Um, so yes, wine and food pairing began quite naturally um, since both would have not only been present, but a staple aspect of most dinner tables across like all time and cultures yeah but the douchebaggery of it all came later oh yeah oh yeah i mean 
you're not going to be shocked when you figure out what decade it's from. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, in many winemaking regions, like like Europe, basically, um, viticulture and culinary traditions evolved alongside each other. This is why we have the classic wine pairing adage, what grows together goes, goes together. together. <laughs> um, Italian wines are a perfect example of this. Since historically, Italians rarely dined without wine. Their wines were designed to be food friendly. As like, all wine should be. I mean, honestly, and as all wine is. I Yeah. I mean, I appreciate when a wine you can like just like have a glass with like. Yeah, a porch pounder has a place. (laughs) Some Italian wines uh, may seem tannic, lean, or overly acidic by themselves, but will come alive when paired with the boldly flavored Italian foods. And we're going to get to why that happens in a second. Um, So back to cheese for a minute. Uh, We have been talking about terroir, uh, protected origin cheeses throughout the series. Mm -hmm. But just to reestablish how... um, ingrained and important this concept is i have we're taking it back to 500 ce Mm. where cassiodorus a praetorian prefect of the ostrogothic king theodoric Mm. um he just that was a weird time hey such a weird time oh my goodness once the empire split it all went to hell yeah obviously but like for so much longer than we ever imagined and like, I'm sorry, but what asshole was like, this is a great idea. And then they kept it going. For his... <laughs> Anyways, we don't need to get into that. But so yes, so this prefect dude, um, he is uh, describing what we would consider terroir while discussing Roman banquets, mm. which included cheeses made in Mount Silla, Silla in Southern Italy. Quote, and we praise the wines of Bruti and the cheese of the district around Mount Sila. The cheese, which retains in its pores the milk which has been collected there, recalls by its taste the fragrant herbs upon which the cattle have fed. By its texture, it reminds us of the softness of oil, from which it differs in color by its snowy whiteness. Having been carefully pressed into a wide cask and hardened therein, it retains permanently the beautiful round shape which has thus been given to it. It's this my is my cheese. And I'll cry if I want to. I'm surprised neither of us have cried on this podcast. We don't get into anything like too emotionally. <laughs> That's really never stopped me before. Truly. Okay, we're back. <laughs> we're back. Fire um, Okay, back to pairing. So yes, it's really cool to hear this like ancient Roman basically like literally describe the way that we would actually talk about terroir. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. I have no follow-up to that. I was just like, this is where I'm going to shoehorn in this like fun long quote. No, I love it. Do it. Uh, so after what goes together, grows, grows together, goes together, another uh, traditional pairing phrase is white with fish, red with meat, uh, which comes from the concept of matching the weight or body of your wine with the weight of your food. Okay. Boring, but fine. It is very boring, but fine. It's like... It's a real... Okay, sure. Um, so in general, meat is obviously heavier and red in color. So it was assumed that a red wine, which is usually heavier than a white wine, would pair better. By contrast, fish is considered light and white. Uh, so it stood to reason that it should be paired with white wine. They haven't met a fucking tuna, have they? Well, exactly. Like it's a, it's honestly like in general, like a good starting place. And a lot of mm-hmm. people just sort of like have that ingrained in them. So like if they really do, if you're trying to like talk to someone else about a pairing, it's good to like try and kind of start with that. Like, cause otherwise you're going to, like, just as, like, a starting point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very outdated. Uh, with more access to different kinds of wine and winemaking uh, becoming more adventurous, it is very easy to find light reds, like Pinot Noirs or Gamays, that have less body uh, than a fuller 
or a heavier Chardonnay, for example. The modern mm. emphasis on wine and food pairing can be linked to the U.S. in the guess the dec- guess that decade. Isn't it 1930s, 1960s? No, much more annoying. The 20s, 80s, the 80s. Yes. Why didn't I know that immediately? I don't know. I mean, we've had some time since we first brought it up, but yes. Yeah, so it's in the 80s, which is when wine. That seems weirdly late, though. But this is not like when like the concept of pairing, but it's when like we when they were hyper fixated on it kind of thing. Like when the idea of like a wine and food pairing, but actually like, no, like this is when it happened. It's Mm. it's when winemakers and sellers wanted to shift the marketing away in the, in the United States, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. In North America. Uh, They want to shift the marketing away from wine as just an alcoholic beverage Mm. and have consumers consider it more in terms of a key dining component. Interesting. And like lucrative, I'm sure. For sure. But it's like, if you think about like, obviously in like Italy and France, people are pretty much, it's a given that you're going to have wine with dinner and you already know it's like, you're just going to drink your local, Mm -hmm. like whatever is like there, your table wine. Interesting that they're doing that with spirits these days too. Absolutely. That Mm -hmm. would be a very interesting topic for another time. Mm -hmm. Um, So the eighties that like at this time, that's the beginning of winemakers printing pairings on the back of their wine labels. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. And food magazines. They're so ubiquitous, but anyways. Absolutely. And like when they wine doesn't have it, I'm kind of like, hmm. Seems suspect. And not because like, I think it's suspect, but it's just kind of like, oh, I just like wanted to check that this is going to like, like kind of just do your basics. Like I'm hoping for a cheese. Like, is this going to be like a good cheese? Yeah. Which like. Also, so like, you know better. Enough. I know better, but I always like to, I don't know. Sometimes no, I like to I, it's nice to have a reassurance. For sure. Uh, but yes, food magazines started suggesting uh, certain wines alongside their recipes at this time as well. Oh, that's cool. All right. So now let's talk uh, about pairing principles. Just kind of like the basics. Yeah. Like what you're looking for. Acids with acids, sweets and spices. Well, yes. That yes. sort of thing? It's, yeah, that like that kind of thing. Um, so obviously, like, we talked about the importance of weight in that, like, white and red mm-hmm. fish, meat, whatever. Um, but basically, this comes down to not picking a wine that will overpower your food mm-hmm. or vice versa. Like, you could also have food that could overpower your wine. So, like, mm-hmm. uh, for instance, a heavy uh, oaky Cabernet or peppery Syrah could blow out the delicate flavors of, say, I don't know, like a poached halibut. Yeah. Um, or you could lose the subtlety of like a lighter wine i mean like even a chablis if you're gonna pair that with like spaghetti and meatballs right like it's it's not gonna hit for sure and it's um in short if you're looking to pair your wine and food you're looking for them to have a conversation Mm -hmm. neither one should be shouting or drowning out the other or worse competing and clashing loudly in your mouth a dialogue not a fight absolutely or like yeah like a conversation not a not a one-sided yelling match yeah, and like I don't know. Yeah, like you're not drinking the wine to like get drunk. Mm-hmm. If if you're hoping to pair your like, of course, fine. Uh, like do you do, do you, you with the rest but of it? Like, but if, if you're looking for a pairing, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so this brings us to um, another pairing principle after the weight, uh, which is complementary versus contrasting flavors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so complementary startup strategy is very fa- straightforward. So it's you're pairing your wine and foods. Uh, with flavors that complement each other. So you have, for say, like an earthy uh, Pinot Noir from Burgundy with an earthy mushroom dish. Yeah. This is kind of the like... Makes sense. Red with meat. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, the, contrasting, the contrasting strategy uh, follows the notion that opposites attract. 
by bringing together food and wine that have opposing traits. So this is where you're getting your um, acidic Sauvignon Blanc um, and a chicken or fish with a creamy lemon sauce. The perfect example has always been the prawns and scallop, but work is yes. it has that beautiful creamy sauce. And like, I love personally, like uh, something that's quite sharp to contrast and cut through it, but mm -hmm. like, um, like a Chablis, I mean, yeah, I always love the Viognier with it, but that's a whole other conversation. But almost the Viognier is almost following more of like of the a complimentary, complimentary because, because it's got that creaminess rounder, to it's it. It's a rounder mouthfeel. Yeah. I mean, the problem is like, it's, it's hard to kind of like talk and do specific like examples mm -hmm. about like, because so much of it is about like all of these aspects coming together. It's the sauce. It's always about the sauce. It's about the sauce, but it's also like the wine, like no wine is like just acid or just it's, like that. Like the bitch in the liquor store being like, I only want a dry white, which is why I like Sauvignon Blanc, but I don't like one that's too acidic. And I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be mean to her. I wish her well on her wine education journey. I truly do. But I hate her. Yeah. For a long time, the complimentary um, strategy was the prevailing theory on food and wine pairing. But as more people began to experiment with their pairings, the idea of using contrast has become kind of like, that's sort of the de rigueur mm -hmm. now. Um, it follows the same idea as salty versus sweet in cooking, like mm -hmm. your, your PB and J, for example. Mm. Um, but what exactly are we looking for um, in wine and foods to create the magical uh, contrasting or complementary conversations? Um, it's like a lot of people I think would assume that you're looking to match flavors, but because that's so subjective mm -hmm. and personal, like especially in wine, but also in foods and like cheeses, mm -hmm. um, it's better to pair based on physical properties. Mm -hmm. So there are four in the case of wine. Do you want to name them? The physical properties would just be the sweetness, the acid, the body, and the tannins, wouldn't it? Um, or like the... Yes. If you're calling body the alcohol levels. Yeah, alcohol. That's yes. what I mean by Yes. That. Perfect. And it's like, I mean, I always knew this, but like really like seeing it like written out, it's like... It's so simple when you break it down. Totally. And just, and imagining the ways that these four aspects <laughs> um, work together. And that's mm. what's going to create like a nice balanced wine. Um, and it's the same in food too. Like you and want to... If I may, sorry mm -hmm. to interrupt, but that's the thing that we're literally all striving for these days. It's like, you want a balanced cocktail. You want a balanced wine in general. Like you don't want the sweetness to overpower the acid that's in a wine. You don't want one element of a dish to speak louder than the others. Like all of these things. So even when the pairings are like that, that's great. But the individual components, that is the main thing I feel like that I hear talked about these days. Oh yeah. All the time. Mm -hmm. All the time. Um, so let's start with acidity. Um, it is so, 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 so important to the way that we experience um, not only beverages, but also um, food as well. Like, you have to, things have to have acid. Like, that's what is I literally had a here. spinach artichoke dip today that didn't have enough lemon in it. Ugh. Ugh, tragedy. It's fine. I put lemon in it. It's it worked out well. Against it was delicious. Artichokes. Okay. With the lemon? Yeah. Good. It's easy to fix. Wow. Uh. If you have the, the lemons. But just like that, like in wine, mm -hmm. the acidity in wine uh, is what triggers a mouthwatering response, which is going to stimulate your appetite and um, really highlight any dish that you're paired with. Like it's going to make you go like, mm, I'm so hungry. And then go back in more. Yep. Um, when looking to pair a high acid wine, like a Sauvignon Blanc, um, or I, I should believe. Yep. I was going to say there's many others. There's so many others. I'm just trying to like, I no, know. No, a Chianti. 
literally. Um, it is necessary to consider the acid levels in the food as well. So we're thinking either complement or contrast. Um, a wine that is less tart than the dish it is served with may taste thin or weak, while the wine that comes across as too tart on its own will seem softer if it's paired with an acidic dish. Mm-hmm. Um, which, yes, of course. So let's go to sweetness. Sweetness in wines is determined by the amount of sugar left over in the wine after the fermentation process. We call it residual sugar. Indeed. <laughs> uh, conventional wisdom says that wines should always be sweeter than the food they are paired with, which is why a bitter dark cho- chocolate tastes better with red wine than like a milked or even, God forbid, white chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> um, shout out to our friends who like white chocolate. They're fine too. Listen. No like shade, white chocolate no all you want, but it's like if you're trying to eat that with a red wine, both are going to taste kind of bad. This is why my number one beef these days is like um, people who will have like a dry, dry, dry white, or sorry, dry red wine mm-hmm. and then have it with dark chocolate. I'm just like, that's not like an ideal pairing. What are you doing? It's like, and I, and I don't know where that trend came from. Like, it's very interesting and totally fine. Like, again... The number one thing about wine is do whatever the fuck you want. Of course. Like, I don't care. Who am I to judge? But I'm just curious as to where that came from because it is so, like, so ubiquitous. You go to a place and, like, any kind of more traditional restaurant will be Mm -hmm. like, here you go. Like, blah, 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 blah. Like, think that's a good idea. But it's like, nah, bitch. Have a port. And I think, like, a lot of the time, I think there's a couple things going on. I think it's just, like, in terms of, like, the culture, like, people, like, like there's so many images of like mm-hmm. red wine and chocolate. So people just assume that their favorite red wine is going to go perfect with their favorite chocolate, which like, okay, sure. Fine. I'm Maybe like, it again, will. you like what you like. And that's like, and I'd rather anyone drink like a wine that they prefer rather than trying to like pair it with something. I've told but, you this a million times about that time a table came in and they're like, I was like, Oh, in case you want red wine for dinner, here's the list. And they're like, we only drink white. That's what we're about. And I was like, okay, fuck you. That's like, great. great. Do you. Cool. Love that you know that about yourselves. Perfect. Like, incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and also, like, I think there's this thing where, like, sweet wines are, everyone always wants a dry wine. Like, people don't like, because, like, there's, like, and kind of rightly so. Like, there's. <laughs> Be- <clears throat> I'm fine. I'm fine. I really am. And I understand that a lot of times when you're not purchasing a dessert wine specifically, if your wine is not dry, it probably means that it is poorly prepared. Yep. And that's what you're saying then is that you want a wine of quality. For sure. And that's fine. And no one's told, like, no one's helped guided you into how to express that. Anyway. Just don't have a big head about it. The contrasting approach is key when pairing sweet, mm-hmm. uh, sweeter wines. So sweet versus spicy or sweet and versus salty are classics mm. for a reason. So turn and chips, let's do it. Oh, incredible. Uh, bitterness. So bitterness um, or tannins. Uh, these are the chalky astringent stringent aftertaste of some wines is thanks to the tannins, uh, which usually come from grape skins, stems, like the, the, the grapeness the grapeness of it everything not, not the juice, the, juice. Uh, the bitter tannins react with proteins to make them appear softer and round out the body of a wine high tannin wines such as barolos or cabernets uh, pair very well with charred red meats or hard cheeses which are high in proteins and fats i'm just so excited to eat this cheese it's actually <laughs> rude that you're making us wait this long but alternatively if you have a really tannic wine and you're going to eat it um with like 
some like fish, like oily fish or something, mm. or even like leaner vegetable forward dishes, uh, the wines can taste metallic or leave a drying sensation mm. in your mouth, which is like not. Like how you have tuna and tomatoes sometimes and that just like, mm, I don't Ugh. hit. And finally, alcohol. Alcohol in a wine not only affects how it may affect you, <laughs> but also plays a part in the texture or body of a wine. Yeah. Uh, typically, higher alcohol wines are perceived as more dense or textured. They are also described as hot um, and can even increase the perception of heat or spiciness um, of a food that you're eating with mm -hmm. them. So that's you, why you don't drink an Australian Shiraz with a really hot curry. Pretty sure that's literally, that's, are you reading my notes right now? <laughs> it's everybody's <laughs> note. Like, it's just, it's for your own safety. For sure. Um, but as we were saying. Of course, the best rule of thumb is to just drink whatever the heck you want. Like, who cares? Don't listen like, to a word we're saying. Don't listen to a word anyone's saying. Just, well, like, listen if you care. But that's, or the other thing is listen to literally everybody. Listen to us. Listen to everybody who's contradicting us. Listen to literally everything and then make up your own mind. Absolutely. And, like, oh. as I was trying to, like, come up with the pairings for, like, now our tasting portion, like, I kept reading, like, different things and it was like oh like if you're gonna like pair with a gorgonzola like this is the best like this is the best cheese to drink with a to eat with a chardonnay blah blah, blah. it's like there's so many options there's like, so many options and like what a beautiful world it is where we can just enjoy all of the cheeses and all of the wines and everything will either be fun and weird or like not as fun and weird but we're having nice times regardless marika is getting a knife and i'm getting impatient I did start impatient. I had no chill about this whole thing. I took one look at these smelly cheeses and lost my shit completely. So to start with, we're having a Moscato Dusty. Mm -hmm. And what cheese are we drink enjoying with this, Marika? Gorgonzola. Oh, it's so good. I've already eaten a lot of it. Marika didn't notice. I was so stealthy. I noticed a lot and was wildly gesticulating <laughs> against it. I ignored that. Oh, this cheese is so goddamn good. Cheers. So, cheers. For this, I went to Ye Old Les Amis de Fromage. I like ran Sponsor in. Sponsor us, please. At like seven minutes before they closed. <laughs> Sorry about it. But there were other people there, so it was fine. Fuck that cheese. And I like, th I threw a bunch of like, hello, like I want, I need four wines, four cheeses to pair with four wines, and I don't even know what they are yet. Like I blah, 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 blah. Just like. I'm sure they were so helpful too. But the guy was like very nice. Like the first guy I talked to, he was like, I don't know anything about that. He was like, let me get my friend. And I was like, then I basically yelled the same thing mm -hmm. at him. And then he was like, okay. And then he like walked away. And then came back. And he was like, what did a minute from <laughs> I know, I literally, some other lady was like, have you been helped? And I was like, yeah, like with like your colleague, like I might've like broke him. She was like, nah, he's unbreakable. You're fine. That's cute. It was very cute. So there like, three people working there? Oh yeah. That seems like That's a lot. It's a busy place. I know, but it seems like a lot. Anyway, so then he was like, he's like, okay, do you have any idea where to start? And I was like, yes. I know from readings that I want to do a Moscato, a Moscato Dusty with a Gorgonzola. And he was like, okay, cool. We mm. have like the mild one or the like spicier one. I was like, give me the stinkiest. And I was like, great. That's my favorite. So this is, that's what this is. It's so goddamn good. Mm. And frankly, I feel like it pairs incredibly. So Moscato Dusty, for those who don't know, mm -hmm. is a sweet, sparkling, low alcohol white wine. From northwestern Italy, mm -hmm. like kind of Piedmonty, is one of the mm. oldest grape varietals in the area, which is very cool. Um, Gorgonzola, which we discussed in our first episode of the season, mm. but never tasted. 
is a blue cheese from the Lombardy region of Northern Italy. So it's kind of a what grows together goes, but not mm. quite. It's stinky and delicious. I'm in such a lovely mood right now. God so, bless this cheese. Emily, based on everything you've learned from my talking at you for 30 minutes. Sweet and salty. Sweet and creamy. <laughs> Decently high acid in this to cut through the sweetness, but also through the creaminess of the cheese. That's what my thoughts are on this pairing. Light body. It's literally exactly what I have written in my notes. Also, like, literally as we're drinking a glass of this when watching the fireworks, I was like, mm, I wouldn't get this ever again. Like, I hate a Moscato Dusty. Like, it's not my vibe. Mm-hmm. I'd way rather have kava. And then as we're eating it with this, I was like, I'm fucking wrong. I'm such an idiot. Why wouldn't I trust the process? But I think that's such a perfect example. It's like, that's it. Like, that's what wine and cheese together can do. Like, that's the beauty of it. Like, I bet if you were going to just, like... I mean, you've eaten some of this gorgonzola on its own. I mean, it's still delicious. The gorgonzola is excellent on its own. Do not slander the gorgonzola. But I'll tell you what, I've had the other ones, and I don't think that if the um, others would pair as nicely. Nice. Up next. This is my favorite cheese, I think, of them all. It should be. Okay, so this is a <laughs> Chardonnay from Burgundy, but not a Chablis, because I want something creamier to complement this... Literally, this cheese the king of all cheeses mm. as per friend of the pod uh briat savarin oh. this is a poisse a poisse a poisse oh fuck off <laughs> mm. it is a soft paste cow's milk cheese that has been smear ripened which means mm. mold kids um and has a rind washed in brine and marc de Bourgogne, a local brandy oh um, and this wine is incredible. The cheese legend says that Cistercian monks began making a poisse in the 16th century, but left and then passed the recipe on to local farmers 200 years later. Um, Napoleon was obsessed with it. Briat Severin was obsessed with it. Emily is obsessed with Emily's it. Emily's obsessed with it. Okay, I haven't even poised yet. <laughs> You're missing out, girlfriend. Ooh, okay, it's like orange on the outside. Oh, it's so stinky. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. We should have got bread. I'm an idiot for not thinking about it. Okay. Why does it work? Why doesn't it work? So for this one, I was going for like full complimentary. Yeah, I was thinking creamy and creamy. And like this isn't overly salty. It's not overly powerful in terms of a flavor profile. It's the textures that match, and I think it's the bodies that match, because you have quite a, like, full-bodied mm-hmm. white with a, quite mm-hmm. a, like, rich cheese. I was hoping for, like, some funk on the white. I'm not getting a ton of that. I'm I'll not getting honest. a ton of that. I think it's quite melony. Do a funk and funk, but I think that's fine. And maybe if, like, it was warmer, we'd get more. But think, also, side note, I think I'm having a good nose day. Incredible. I know. I smelled so many bad things today. No, that's such a positive. God bless the days I can smell bad things. Truly. Because it means mm. I can smell a nice thing once in a while. Yum. Oh, that was so good. I just, mm. honestly, my the restraint that I had to exercise with this was to not just have it all be like melty, stinky. <laughs> Jesus. You're a terrorist, but I love that for you. I know. I was like, I only want the stink bombs. Oh, a barolo. Un barolo. Oh, that color is so pretty. Okay. So this, should we take pictures of our wine right here because the color is good? Let's see. Oh, that nose is incredible! Okay, so this cheese, 
Um, it was basically like, I kind of knew what I was looking for. Like again, like I, I told dude, I was like, I want to do a Moscato, Moscato Dasty with Gorgonzola. Like I want to, I'm going to do like a Chardonnay. Like I, I literally was like, do you have a plus? And then, um, and I told, I knew that I wanted to do my last one, but then he selected the cheese. Um, but for this, I was like, I want to do a red and I like, I would need something hard. Cause like, I've got too much cream. <laughs> yeah. That's so the, the other thing. My tummy is going to hurt after all of this. Uh-huh. And I am not lactose intolerant, thank God, but just like it's a lot of cheese. Mm. So oh, he was that like, cheese. He was like, "This is the cheese for you." Okay, so first Barolo, mm. red wine made from Nebbiolo grapes in mm-hmm. Piedmont, northern Italy, it is known for having rich tannins, which allow the wines to be aged for long periods of time and take on deeper, more complex flavors as they mature. Um, yeah, there's like a lot of controversy around Barolo, but such as. Oh, like there was like they're one of the big. They were one of the first wines to have the DOCG label instead of like the like they're because everyone was like they're not making the Barolos Baroloy enough. The way like, that I've heard it described is DOC is when you're following the rules, scare quotes, <laughs> and DOCG is when it's like no seriously, guys, you have to follow the rules. Yes, exactly. So this was a no seriously, guys, you have to follow the rules because a lot of people were like. Everyone loves the wine, but they don't want them like really like old tasting. So this cheese, the rind is kind of gross. I feel like you don't eat the rind. Yeah, no, not enjoying that. The cheese itself is delicious though. The rind has like a meh. This is broad duro. Mm. Mm. Also got those beautiful salt crystals in there. My favorite. So I'd never heard of this cheese. Recommended to me by the very helpful man at Lazy Me to Fromage. And I'm just like literally going to read their description from the website because. Oh. Okay. <clears throat> Produced in the north, in the lowland dairies surrounding the town of Bra in northern Italy, Bra Duro is made from milk sourced from the local breed of Raza Piedmontese cow. Ooh. The word Doro means rough or rugged in Italian and refers to the rustic appearance of the rind. Mm. According to AOC, name protected uh, rules. Milk for production must be drawn from two milkings on the same day. What? And can occasionally include the addition of either goat's or sheep's milk. I didn't know they got that specific, but of course they do. What does that mean, like, about the milking? So, like, all of the milk has to come from one day's worth of production? Yes. Interesting. I know. Those poor teats. Just... Flavors are mild and lactic with notes of fruit Mm. and hazelnuts and a pleasantly long grassy finish Mm -hmm. the grassy finish is excellent if i will say Mm -hmm. my thoughts on this the pairing is lovely but i think the barolo it's almost not full enough to stand up to it i think but the high acid is very good for it i think had we found something that aged a little longer that would have been better yeah like we needed to shell out more (laughs) i know when we walked into the till and it was like 45 dollars for a bottle of barolo i was like what the fuck have we done here i know that's fine we should have gotten a better one but it's like for just us tasting. So this is like truly a prime example of what. It's a nice bro, grow, though. I like it for itself. Grow together, go together. Like Remember it's. Some. They're both literally from Piedmont. Mm. I I think this is nice because it's like, yeah, it's maybe not perfect. I think it's still very good. But it's, it's just... quite nice. Like I mm-hmm. think like there's still like there's a more acid in this one mm-hmm. than if it had been like an older like more aged and the acid is obviously very important especially i think with this because it is quite a like it's like it's very creamy it's not like Mm -hmm. not as creamy as the others obviously but like the grassiness is very prevalent but i do think it's a heavier body so the acid is nice for that there's a double sharpness Mm -hmm, exactly sharpness is the perfect word 
This is lovely though, Barolo. Last but certainly not least, we have the single greatest dessert wine that Emily Grayson has ever enjoyed. Both people on this podcast have never enjoyed such delicious dessert wine. <sighs> We're so blessed. And it's paired with it's paired with Telegio. Telegio. A pod favorite from <laughs> cheese episodes past. Okay, so Telegio, oh. I don't want to talk too much about Takai. I Takai. I don't want to talk too much about Takai because spoiler alert, that's for next episode. It but is. this is a uh sweet like dessert white wine made in Hungary from grapes that have been affected by botrytis or noble rot. It is fucking incredible. <laughs> Honeysuckly, like I can't even. It's just, it's just delicious. Okay, so Telegio, talked mm. about, tasted, it's delicious. Funky, creamy, crunchy, salty, crunchy. smear, smear rind, orange sherbet. All right, let's go. This is Mr. Lazemi's pairing suggestion. Mm. Well, they're a genius. We can't help. Mm. This is a funny one because this is like, this is very contrasty. It's so contrasty. Is so contrasty. And I feel like our other contrasty, like with the Moscato and the Gorgonzola, mm-hmm. when I tasted them together, they both tasted different. Whereas when I'm tasting these together, they still retain their... They're, they're still themselves. They're still themselves, but they're perfect. And it's just like, oh, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Like a sip of the Takai just makes me want to go back in for that salty rind. Mm. And then I want to just like have another... Every time I crunch down on one of those little salty mm. bits, I'm like, yeah, let me wash that out with a little tokai. Mm-hmm. Throw back to the time I was in Hungary, which... Did you know that I forgot I was in Austria and also that I had been stung by wasps recently? Yeah. You Every... brought it up like several times, actually. I'm perturbed. <laughs> Anyways... When we were in Hungary, I basically had Tokai every single day, and it was the greatest joy of my life. But I continue to try and pronounce it as Tokaji, even against multiple corrections. It's like, have I told you? I don't think I've actually told you this. Maybe. We'll have a podcast first, a story that Emily hasn't repeated a hundred times. That I spelt schedule, schedule, like D-U-A-L, for the longest time. What? I thought it was a duel in there. I have no words for that. It's the dumbest thing ever, I know. What can you do? I mean, just eventually learn, and it's fine. Like, no, no one is hurt by a schedule. A schedule? A schedule. People would just text back with the right spelling, and I'd be like, they're stupid, hey. No! Famously, I have friends that are smarter than me. Like, I feel like that's a hallmark of my personality. Everyone I know is smarter than me. I don't think that's a hallmark of your personality. But I think it very much is, and I'm very pleased about it. We should always surround ourselves with people that are smarter than us. Never met one. <laughs> that's true. You struggle. Again, you struggle every day. Laughing. Mm. All right. Well, I think that um, four tasters of wine has really hit us here. And um, <laughs> yeah, this has disintegrated <laughs> rapidly. <laughs> Uh, please go out there and find some food. Pick a wine. Start with one. Fuck it up. Yeah, and like learn and just play. Like that's what's so fun about wine mm-hmm. and food. And talk to Henry at the local BCL because he is very patient. After I watched him deal with that Sauvignon Blanc bitch, he'd be happy to tell you a thing or two about wine. I could tell he had a lot to say. He handled her questions so beautifully. I will not get over it. 
So sweet. Or go to Lazy Meat Fromage and just like talk to literally anyone. Just be like, hi, I need cheese. And they'll be like, yeah, you do. And also rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends, tell your foes. And we'll be back with... We'll be back with you next week for... Oh, this is the ooh, penultimate episode. This is the penultimate... I mean, and that's why we're just, like, barely talking about mold. There's mold on all of these cheeses. There is! Mold created one of these wines. Spoiler alert, that's next episode. <laughs> so just, like, mold is everywhere. Just believe it. Believe dream it. it. Dream it. <laughs> if you can dream it, you can do it. Okay, we'll talk to you next week. Bye! Bye!